marriage. Marriage is what brings us here today. I guess a couple people got the reference, but most probably didn't. But I've always wanted to use that in a homily, so just ignore me. It's from The Princess Bride. It's a movie. But our readings are about marriage today. And there are many challenging teachings of the church when it comes to what marriage is and what the expectation and the hope of marriage is. And maybe one of the most challenging is that as Catholics, divorce is not a thing. It doesn't exist. It's not part of our understanding of what being married is. Now today's homily is in, in no way a judgment on anybody who is divorced. I am under no illusions as to the difficulty of married life. There's reasons that marriages need to separate. There's a reason that we have a process for a decree of nullity in the church when what appears to be marriage, in fact, was broken from the beginning. Today's homily is more of a reflection on why is the fact that divorce is not an option part of our understanding of what marriage is? Why is it an essential part to the thing we call marriage and just can't be taken or left regardless? So here's my best shot at it. When you're looking for a spouse, when I ask couples, so why do you want to marry this person? Most often the responses are something like, well, he's got a good sense of humor, and she's really intelligent, and he's compassionate, she's a good listener, that we complement each other well. Good. I'm glad you like each other. That's a nice thing to start a marriage with, that you like each other. Unfortunately, none of those things have anything to do with being married to someone. See, in the story of Genesis, in the origin of marriage, the starting point is that God gives Adam dominion over creatures. He gives him the freedom to name them and to have a relationship with these creatures because he's given them a name. And in the end, Adam is left unfulfilled. See, if you turn to your pet, sometimes your pet's kind of funny. Your pet's a probably pretty good listener. Maybe your pet's pretty smart. Does that mean that a pet is worthy of marriage? It might be a lifelong partnership, but it's not what marriage is. Adam was unfulfilled when it came to having that kind of relationship with the animals. God wanted to create for him a partner. Something more was needed. See, too often today, marriage is equated with kind of a psychological affection, something that's subjective that I see in this other person, many things that I'm looking for in my life, it's often starts as a very utilitarian love. And there's nothing wrong with utilitarian love. It's just not marriage. That when you look to someone who is to become your spouse, it's not... I see in this person what I'm looking for. That's not marriage. Because those of you who've been married for a long time know that you will be sorely disappointed if you're looking for everything that 
in your spouse of what you're looking for. I've kind of started teasing a couple in our parish recently because they always walk into the church hooked arm in arm. And the reason is because they're elderly and the husband has a little bit of a wobble in his walk and so they walk arm in arm and sometimes I tease them, you sure you're going in the same direction? Because he's wobbling and she's pulling him or she gets caught in a conversation and he wants to keep walking. But they never stop being locked arm in arm. Because when you look for a spouse, you don't look for the fulfillment of what you're looking for in life in this other person. Rather, it's not you are what I'm looking for. It's I want to look for what we are both looking for together. When I tease the couple and say, are you walking in the same direction? That's marriage. It's two people who desire to be locked arm in arm, looking in the same direction for what they're looking for, which for us as Christians is obviously God. This is the starting point. Because even in Genesis, it tells us that for us as human beings and our understanding, even family love is incomparable to the potential that married love has. Man and woman leave mother and father and become one flesh. That every one of us leaves family. Why don't we just stay with our family forever? If we had a great family upbringing, why wouldn't we just stay with that love? Rather than leave family and home to seek out a person who we don't know to spend the rest of our lives with. It's because there's a part of us that understands that we're looking for something more. And the church says marriage has the potential to offer this. Not a guarantee, but it has the potential to offer this. St. John Paul II, when he talks about marriage, he says marriage requires the person to allow their self to be possessed by another person. That the person, one spouse, willingly lets their freedom be limited for the sake of the other person. That's what's wrapped up in the understanding of Christian marriage. Is that I'm willingly letting myself be possessed by another. I'm willingly saying no to these things that are good for me, for the good things that I desire in my spouse. That is a lofty call because we struggle with pride, married or not. We struggle to get what we want because we think what we want is what we need. And to find the balance between those two is a challenge. But again, going back to Genesis, what fulfilled Adam? God gave him the ability to name the animals. But it was only when he gave a rib, gave of himself for the sake of the creation of Eve that he found his fulfillment. It was in learning how to give of himself, not just having that affection and relationship, but giving of himself that created the bond of marriage between him and Eve. Marriage is about learning how to give a full gift of yourself mind, body, and soul. This is why another difficult teaching of the church of not having sex before marriage is part of it. 
because it's far too easy if you engage in a relationship in that way to give your body before you're even capable of giving your mind and your soul to this other person. And so the church teaches to withhold that gift of your body so you can learn how to give your mind and your soul to this other person so that when you're in the safety of married life, you have the potential of growing together in that full gift of allowing yourself to be possessed by another, of willfully limiting your own freedom for the good of the other person. All that to get to why no divorce? Because commitment between two people is the only way that this has the possibility of existing. And I say the possibility because, again, it is no guarantee. But commitment, sealing the couple, allows the possibility of this flourishing. A whole gift of self. An understanding that this is not just a love like any other love that exists in other relationships, but it's something more that it's two people locked together looking in the same direction. Now I'm going to share with you what I call my French fry story. And I was hesitant to share it with you because it's my most treasured anecdote for homilies that I sometimes use in wedding homilies. So now I can never use it again when any of you are present at a marriage. But it's my favorite anecdote to understand why commitment is a gift rather than a burden or just a responsibility. So I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I was going to hockey practice, and for whatever reason, my mom promised to buy me french fries from the concession after hockey practice, which never happened, and I love french fries. So this was a big deal. I pretty much spent the entire practice thinking about french fries. And so I got undressed after practice the fastest I've ever gotten undressed and rushed out into the lobby expecting my mom to be holding piping hot french fries. And her hands were empty. And she quickly whisked me out of the arena because we had to go to my brother's hockey game or my sister's gymnastics or something. And finally, by the time we got home after all of that, me being a brooding teenager, I was pouting because I didn't get my french fries. So my mom looked at me and, what's wrong? You broke your promise. And she smiled at me, which made me angrier, so I got right in her face and said, what kind of mother are you breaking your promise to your son when you said you would get me french fries and you didn't get me french fries? And I pushed her. And then she grabbed me in a hug, which made me angrier, so I tried to squirm and break free because I had no desire to be hugged by my mother in that moment. But unfortunately, at 12 years old, my mother was stronger than me, and she held me there. And she held me there until I stopped trying to break free. And obviously, I didn't come to this realization at 12 years old. But my mom held me there long enough to realize that even a broken promise from my mother said nothing about a lifetime of love that she had for me. See, commitment hold us, holds us in place long enough to stop believing the lie that the grass is greener on the other side. It holds us in place long enough 
to work through what is broken to come to the reality of something more. The only way that love can become what is it intended to be is through that. It's what we heard in our letter to the Hebrews today. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. See, the reason that the church has such a lofty teaching about what marriage is is because marriage has the potential to manifest God's love in the world greater than anything else. That's why it's so important. That's why this commitment, this indissolubility, this no divorce is not just an add-on, but it's at the heart of what God's love and married love is intended to be. So that God can make that a reality for a husband and wife. Because what God has joined, let no man separate. Divorce, no divorce, is a hard teaching. And because we are broken, because Jesus mentions, because of hardness of heart, the Jews had divorce. Hardness of heart didn't go away with Jesus. We still deal with hardness of heart in relationships. And so even though the church holds this lofty ideal, and goal, and potential for marriage. Sometimes we need to do better as Catholics of what we do for those who have experienced the brokenness of a marriage. Because that is a hurt that is difficult to walk through. We don't always do a good job as that, of that as Catholics. But let's strive for it. Because it's a wonderful thing for the whole community. Because marriage is not just for the couple. It's for the whole Christian faith. Let's pray for marriage because we know that it's under attack more than ever today. The world doesn't understand what marriage has the potential to be, which is why marriage to an animal is almost something that's becoming possible. Let's give thanks to God for marriages that have the grace to injure. Those of you that are married, give thanks to God often for the marriage that you have. And we keep going, but I'm just going to stop because I don't know how else to end this homily.